Our second lesson today is in the New Testament. This is 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, beginning at verse 6. The Apostle Paul writes, The point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that he has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord, the living Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. 617 million. 617 million. According to the American Heart Association, that is uh, roughly the number of breaths my father took from his birth in 1937 until his death last month at the age of 84 years and six months. The Heart Association tells us that the average number of breaths we take every day is 20,000. And I've done the math for you. That's just under 14 breaths a minute. And now you're thinking about your breathing, aren't you? I actually think my dad took more than 617 million breaths when he died September 15th. Uh, My dad's ticket to a different life from the coal mines of Kentucky was basketball. He played in high school, and he got a scholarship to Davidson where he played. You breathe hard, a lot more than 14 breaths a minute when you're sprinting up and down the hardwood court. And when I was a teenager and dad was assigned to the Pentagon my last few years of high school, I loved driving in to the District of Columbia And in the summertime, we would run together from the POAC, that's the Pentagon Officers Athletic Center, across the Arlington Memorial Bridge, stride for stride around the Lincoln Memorial, and then we'd come back to the Pentagon and shower up. Back in those days, Dad was 6'5", like I am now. Uh, We both had the same inseam, 36 inches. We ran stride for stride, and we always uh, tried to keep our breathing under 30 breaths a minute. Add to that my dad's service in the military, flight school at Fort Rucker, uh, jump school at Fort Benning, two tours of duty in Vietnam when he was still in his 20s, uh, flying Hueys and Cobras into battle. I have a feeling dad's heart rate was a little elevated in those situations. 
So I think my dad probably took closer to 650 million breaths from the day he was born in the log cabin that his father built in the mountains of Kentucky to the day he died in a hospital bed in Tennessee surrounded by his sons and his wife. My point is this. Every single one of us has a finite number of breaths before we die. Here in our faith family, we have mourned the death of newborn children who died shortly after being delivered. Some of them only had a few hours, less than 5,000 precious breaths. Some of our fellow members are, are living well into their 90s and beyond. That's, that's approaching 700 million breaths from cradle to grave. And by the time this worship service has ended today, you'll be 840 breaths closer to your last. Unless my sermon excites you when you're breathing a little faster. You have a finite number of breaths until the day you take your last breath. Same for me. We have a finite number of days to serve God until we see him face to face. How do you intend to spend these days? And what will you do with that limited number of breaths that are uniquely your own until you exhale for that last final time? The answer to this question is what we Christians have always called stewardship. Christian stewardship has everything to do with how we go about using these marvelous gifts from God that we Christians have called for centuries time, talent, and treasure. Every single one of us has a limited amount of time on planet Earth. Every single one of us has certain talents, certain abilities that are unique to who we are as individuals, and your talents aren't the same necessarily as the person sitting closest to you this morning. And we all have treasure. We all have some measure of income some measure of wealth. Your net worth may be well into the millions. Right now it may be only a few thousand dollars, but we all have some treasure. And God cares very much about how we spend our time, how we use our talents, and what we do with our treasure. Your Father in heaven wants you to use them and use them well. doesn't want you to squander them. As I thought about stewardship in preparation for today's worship, my mind went racing back as it has so many times since I came here in 1998. My mind went racing back in time to what took place here in Albuquerque in 1955. Some of you know that's when 37 men, women, and children gathered in a rented storefront on Manal Boulevard for the very first official service of worship of Faith Lutheran. Those 37 people spent their time, they used their talent, they gave of their treasure to establish and literally build up this congregation. And through the passing of time, we know that the majority of those first charter members have now finished their course on earth. They're gone now. But you and I will be able to meet them and thank them face to face when we see them in the glory of our heavenly home. 
As I thought about stewardship, my heart was filled with gratitude and appreciation for those of you who demonstrated uh, stewardship that's caring for this congregation and its future when we decided to join LCMC. That's our church body, Lutheran Congregations and Mission for Christ. We did that back in 2004 when many of you here now weren't yet a part of this congregation. Back then, LCMC only had 84 congregations and they were all here in the U.S. Today we have 968 congregations in 15 different nations. Back then we knew as we know now. We're accountable to God for the way in which we spend our time, talent, and treasure. And back then we realized that we just couldn't stay in a church body that in so many ways was ignoring and forsaking its holy heritage. That decision was not fun. It was hard. I didn't have any joy in it. It wasn't easy. And I know looking out on the congregation right now that some of you lost long-standing friends as a result of that decision. Some people left our church angrily and some of them cut you off as friends. The Lord never said that faithful stewardship would be easy. Sometimes it's really hard. But then again, some things in life are hard, aren't they? And some things are hard and necessary. As I think about Christian stewardship, I thank God for those of you who have continued supporting the life and work of this congregation, even through the past 19 months of COVID health orders and restrictions, without your generous and ongoing stewardship of treasure and time and talent, we could not have continued moving forward. I thank the Lord for people who live in other parts of the world who started joining us through our live broadcasts when the governments in different states and different nations uh, shut down houses of worship. They were closed for months. And many of the people who now consider faith to be their home church, they may never worship here in person, but they're with us right now watching this broadcast. And some of them decided to begin supporting our congregation financially in gratitude for this witness, for this this presence on the social media platforms. As I think about stewardship, I, I can't help but express my gratitude for your willingness to think outside the box when it comes to our senior pastor plan of succession, which is just 56 days away from being complete. That conversation started, some of you don't know this, over eight years ago when I asked all of our past congregational presidents and the church council at the time to start studying and considering and praying about the strengths and benefits of this new and different model for leadership transition, that old model, the very model that brought me here, of waiting for some senior pastor to finally retire and get out of the way, and then you know finding some temporary pastor to come in for a year or two, while a call committee starts interviewing people across the country to bring a brand new senior pastor into a church that doesn't know him and that he doesn't know, that model that served us well 
in decades past is failing again and again in congregations across the nation, not just Lutheran, but Baptist, Presbyterian, Episcopal, Evangelical Free, non-denom, independent congregations. Some of you are aware of this because you've seen it happen in many congregations right here in Albuquerque. And some of you experience the sadness, the setbacks, the problems that took place when that old model failed and you eventually found yourselves here as a result. God has a great way of using every circumstance to accomplish his will. And I want to tell you a story that I think is funny now about my initial conversations with our lay leaders, our church staff, about senior pastor succession. I presented two scenarios. Scenario A, uh, I finally make it to retirement. And then Kirsten and I get to enjoy a few years of retirement together before God calls us home. Scenario B was, um, you know, I die. I become permanently disabled. I'm no longer able to fulfill the duties and responsibilities of this office of senior pastor. And when I presented that scenario B, several members of our uh, lay leadership team said, Bruce, eh. Don't need to worry about scenario B. You're big, you're strong, you're healthy, you're young. Two months later, some of you remember, those two different viruses long before COVID attacked my immune system and I started shutting down. I couldn't walk. I was in a very depressing, dark, difficult place. I thought I would need a wheelchair the rest of my life. And that's when one brother in Christ, who'd been very opposed to the senior pastor succession model, called me on the phone. I'll never forget the conversation. I thought he was going to say, hey, Bruce, how you doing? Hey, pastor, can I pray with you? Instead, he was all business. Bruce, could you say more about this uh, succession thing you've been talking about? Specifically, I'd like to know more about plan B, you know, just in case you don't make it. And at that moment, all I could think about was Monty Python's The Holy Grail, that scene in the middle of the plague in Europe when the man's coming by with the cart, bring out your dead, bring out your dead. And I wanted to say to that man on the phone, I'm not dead yet. I can laugh about that phone call now. And I can see how God even used my affliction to get a brother in Christ to think differently about leadership transition. God is great. He can do anything. But most importantly, as I think about Christian stewardship, I think about God's word. Did you hear what Stacy had to proclaim as she was reading from Psalm 24? Listen to the verse, the first verse. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. The earth is the Lord's, the whole world, and all those who live in it. You see, we, we own things. I own stuff. Kirsten and I have a car. We have a house, but someday none of that's going to belong to us. Some of the things that, you know, we have have just fallen apart. They're in the, the dump. <laughs> and some things, if they last, will belong to another. The earth is the Lord's, and you get to manage some of that stuff, some of that property, only for a short while, then it passes into the hands of someone else. As Christian stewards, we understand this. 
We understand that we're called, we're invited by God to responsibly and wisely care for his creation. Knowing that we're only here for a set number of years, we do our best with this gift of time to take care of that which God has entrusted to us in that small part of creation where he's planted us. You have a part of creation that is uniquely yours, and you have a stewardship to carry out. That means everything and everyone in your sphere of influence and service in your daily life and work. In our reading from 2 Corinthians, we're taught that God loves a cheerful giver and that we're to give what we've made up our minds to give. You, brothers and sisters, are stewards of this congregation. We know that Faith Lutheran Church ultimately and eternally belongs to Jesus, but we are the ones that he's planted here for a while to care for the well-being of this fellowship. We are to serve God and glorify him by the way in which we tend to the life and witness and well-being of this church family. Nowhere in Scripture do you find that the Lord is pleased with or glorified by our leftovers. He says, make up your mind in advance. Have a plan. And then give accordingly. Not reluctantly. Not with some sour attitude. And certainly not under some sense of guilt or compulsion. You see, faithful stewards understand that they give according to their ability, and that's different for every single one of us. And when they give, they give with joyful generosity. I thank the Lord for stewards like you who understand and embrace this biblical truth. I have met these last uh, 23 years of ministry some of the most uh, beautifully generous people I've ever known all my days. I thank the Lord for those of you who are beginning to understand and embrace your role as stewards as we look to the future of this congregation with Jerry's senior pastor leadership. 14 breaths a minute. 20,000 breaths per day. You might feel silly, but I'm going to ask you to do it with me. Let's all take a deep breath right now. Come on. I want to hear it. Take a deep breath. You can thank God for that air that just filled your lungs. The very same life-giving air that keeps you alive even when you're fast asleep and you don't have to think about breathing. You may very well have millions of breaths ahead of you. You might have just a few thousand. You may have 20, 30, 40 more years to live. Your time may be far less. Back in July, when my brothers and I finally had our long-awaited reunion with our father, we had no clue that in six Short weeks later, we'd be gathered around his deathbed. Every day is a gift. Each opportunity to serve God and glorify God is a gift. 
every moment you get to spend with friends and loved ones before they die or before you're gone is a gift. And as believers, we know the greatest gift, the indescribable gift, is Jesus Christ. I'm going to take you back to Mark's Gospel, one verse, chapter 15, verse 37. Our Lord is on the cross, and Mark reminds us that Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. Jesus took his last breath on the cross in love and obedience. With that dying breath, he died the death we deserve, that we could have the gift of eternal life that we most certainly do not deserve. Imagine that. Through the years, I've had people here at Faith ask me, you know, off the record, Pastor, I mean, I won't tell anyone, it's safe with me. Of the four services, which one is your, your favorite? They're all favorites. I love them all. Every service is an opportunity to praise God and be with fellow Christians. But truth be told, you know, if I were king of the world, and some of you were too young to even know what I'm talking about, we would still have the old Lutheran service book and hymnal. It was red, not green, and it was in the king's English. So there, for the record, I'm old school. I'd rather speak and do worship in the king's English, you know. Remember the confession? We poor sinners confesseth unto thee that we are by nature sinful and unclean. Wherefore we flee to thine infinite mercy, seeking and imploring thy grace. I mean, isn't that beautiful? But I love all of our services. I love the old hymns, but God has taught more than a few of us that there are some really beautiful newer hymns, not in the king's English. And I remember well one conference that Kirsten and I attended over in San Diego years ago and there was this young couple um, Keith and Kristen Getty and they were in the United States singing at this conference a hymn that they'd written for the very first time it's called In Christ Alone and in the years since that conference that hymn has become one of the most popular hymns here at Faith and it's a popular hymn in so many congregations around the world. I want to conclude this message with a few lines from that song. They go like this. And then I'm going to tweak them. But as they are in the song, it goes like this. As he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Jesus commands my destiny. We've sung that, that song countless times here at Faith through the years. But now I want you to listen to this section, this part of the song, tweaked a little. Because I want to make sure you hear God's great love for you. And as Jesus stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on you, precious child of God. You are his and he is yours. You've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. 
Therefore, let there be no guilt in your life, no fear in dying. This is the power of Christ in you. From your first cry to your final breath, Jesus is commanding your destiny. He's in charge. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck you from the Lord's hand till he returns or till he calls you home. Jesus commands your destiny. May the peace which far surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until we see the Savior face to face. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.